Okay, Kevin and Courtney, thank you for that once again. That was a great testimony to, um, to gracefulness, and this is convicting for me. I know what I need to do, um, as I'm sure some of you do as well. So, grace in the family. Grace in the family. I've been dubbing this, if you will, grace at home. And how can we live a grace-filled life in our homes? That's the question we want to ask today. And when I I say home, I mean um, husbands and wives, parents and children, um, but also family. And we're talking extended family. You all have some sort of family, whether it's, um, you know, you all have a mother and father, or have had one at some point, Um, brothers and sisters, perhaps cousins. Um, We're talking family like that. And even if there's somebody who's so close to you that's not necessarily family by blood, but somebody who's family by relationship, y'all are just like this, that's, that's family. And so what we want to consider this morning is how are we to live a graceful life with our family? Because I'm, I'm not going to lie, um, that is the hardest place to do that. Is it not the hardest place to do that? So grace, grace in the family. But first, we want to, want to back up just a second and remind ourselves what we're talking about when we talk about law, what we're talking about when we talk about grace. Law is, um, well, well, first and foremost, we see it in Scripture as a divine commandment. You should do this, you should not do that. You saw it in the par- or not the parable, but um, the story of the rich young ruler this morning. Um, he came to Jesus and said, what, what should I do to inherit the kingdom? And Jesus says, well, you know the law, and he says, oh, I know it. I've done it, all of it, since the day I was born. That's, that's, the, that's law. Um, following commandments, doing things um, that God has prescribed. But that extends into our lives today because law ends up being, um, you know, the commandments we give to each other, the things we tell each other to do. Clean up your room, make dinner, go to bed. Pay me some respect. Show me some love. These, these, these are, this is all law, how we interact with one another. And, and the common denominator there that I see is, is law encourages what I want to call a transactional relationship. A transactional relationship. And what this looks like is, um, if you do this, then I will do that. Okay? Or, God, if I behave, then you will bless me. If I follow your commandments, you will let me into heaven. If I do the dishes, you will let me play golf on Saturday morning. You see how that works. It's a transaction where we we live lives under the law of transaction. I'll love you if you love me back. I'll apologize to you if you apologize to me first. You did it. You started this, right? You see that? That's a life under the law. And this is what we see um, with Israel and with the Pharisees. And Jesus was always speaking against the scribes and the Pharisees, the leaders of this Israel nation, Israeli nation. And um, he, they said, God, we're going to do all these things. We're going to keep the law perfectly. Then you can let us into the kingdom. And Jesus says, that's not how it works. That is not how it works. That is a transaction. Grace, on the other hand, and we've thrown out a number of definitions for grace, but what I want you to hang on to this morning is this. One-way love. If you consider law a transaction, you know, a little give and take, 
Grace is just one-way love. And that's what God shows us, is it not? Remember um, Romans. Paul writes this, that Jesus died for us while we were yet sinners. While we were yet sinners. While we were still sinners. He didn't say, you stop sinning and then I'll die for you. No. He said, I'm dying for you while you're still a sinner. There's, there's no expectation. There was nothing. He just, he just did. One-way love. You see how that works? And so we have grace is one-way love, and, and we receive that from God. And then when we know that and we understand that and we receive it by faith, that overflows into our daily relationships, into our families, if you will. That one-way love, we are enabled to start sharing that with others. And so that's um, the challenge is to, to figure out how that works in our daily relationship. What does one-way love look like? And so we're going to look at Romans chapter 12. Carrie's going to throw it up on the screen. And we're going to talk about um, this one-way love. What does this look like? And the first thing we have to consider is this. Paul has spent 12 chapters, excuse me, 11 chapters of Romans telling us about the one-way love of Jesus. That we were all sinners, we've all fallen short of the glory of God, yet God, that Jesus died for us and has reconciled us to God. That is one-way love. And so then we get to chapter 12, verse 1, and, and this is the biggest, uh, huge word, right there at the top. Therefore, y'all see that? It's right there. I appeal to you, therefore. Therefore, so everything Paul is about to say is because, therefore, you should do these things because of what Jesus has done for you. He didn't say, do these things, therefore Jesus will die for you, therefore God will love you. He didn't say that. He said, God loves you, therefore, this is what your life looks like. I love these words. It's not a prescription. This isn't a way... um, that you have to behave to get God to love you, as Mike likes to say, but it's a, a description. This is a description of the life of a, um, of a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. So if you're sitting there and you're thinking, well, what can I do? I'm going to listen to this sermon, and I'm going to go home, and I'm going to check five things off my list, and then I'll know I'm a graceful person. That's not how it works. It's not how it works. This flows from Jesus, from faith in Him. This shows up in your life. So, grace at home. The first thing we see about grace at home is that it is self-sacrificial. Grace at home is self-sacrificial. Let's say in verse 1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, or brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Two things to note here. First of all, look at that. By the mercies of God. I appeal to you, therefore, by the mercies of God to present your bodies. You cannot, you cannot do what we're about to talk about on your own power. You can't. You can try and try and try. You will never be able to do it. It is only by the mercies of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit working in your life that you can live a life of one-way love, a life of grace. Second thing is this. Present your bodies. Who are you presenting them to? Look at that. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, to God. 
holy and acceptable to God. So as we talk about sacrifice, for instance, we're going to talk about um, marriage. In a marriage relationship, as many of you well know, there is a sacrifice to be made. We often think about it in terms of sacrificing ourselves for our spouse, sacrificing ourselves for our wife or for our husband. Um, but that's not how we're supposed to do it. If, you, if you're sacrificing yourself for your wife, you're going to continually to expect something in return. But it, it doesn't say that. It says, sacrifice yourself to God. To God. And so, you might serve your husband and serve your wife, but the reason you're doing that is because you're giving it to God. It's a sacrifice to God. And that's important to remember because, because sometimes you're not going to want to serve your wife. You're not going to want to serve your husband. That's going to be painful and hard, and you're just not going to want to do it. But when you're serving God, the God who loved you while you were yet a sinner, then you, have, you see, you have the motivation, your eyes are open. It doesn't matter how they're behaving towards you. It matters how God behaved towards you. So a life of grace depends on the mercies of God is offered to God, and that self-sacrifice is possible only by the power of God. So what does this look like? Well, um, think, for instance, of your extended family. What's the, what's the next big occasion that you're going to see everybody in your family, at least, at least many of us will? When is that? Thanksgiving, huh? It's like eight weeks away. You can start getting yourself ready now for your crazy family because they're coming to your house. How are you going to extend this sort of self-sacrificial grace at Thanksgiving, around the Thanksgiving dinner table? What are you going to do? Well, maybe you're going to sit next um, or or listen to the the story from your cousin who's frankly a little strange and listen to him and appreciate what he's saying and not get discouraged or frustrated or walk away from him. Isn't that a sacrifice of of time and a lot of effort to, to enjoy people like that? That's grace. What else can we do at, at, that, at that Thanksgiving table? Maybe it means just sacrificing ourselves by serving others or washing the dishes. Maybe you cook the whole meal and nobody else is washing the dishes. What a, what a great sacrifice to, to wash the dishes. Things like that. You're just laying yourself down for other people, whether you like them or not. That's the point. That's self-sacrifice. Or what about, what does this look like in um, in your families. What does this look like in your families? Um, we have a couple, an elderly couple. They live right down the street from us. Um, and they, for a while, I would walk by their house and I would often see them um, sitting out in their chairs in the driveway enjoying, enjoying the sun on a, on a cool day. Um, and I was like, that's really sweet. And then a few months later, the wife was in a wheelchair and the husband was sitting next to her in his chair, and they were enjoying the sun together. And recently, I've seen them walking around the neighborhood together. And this man is, is, is lovely. He's pushing his wife. I'm, I'm sure they've been married like 50 years. Pushing his wife around in the wheelchair around the neighborhood um, because he loves her. He's giving up a piece of himself to, to serve his wife. And it's amazing. And we look at that and we think, I want my marriage to be like that when I get that age. And I ask you, why is it not like that now? Okay? Why is it not like that now? 
Why are our marriages falling apart? Because we refuse to sacrifice for one another. In John's Gospel, Jesus says this, Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Do you have a better friend or a better love than your spouse? Is there a closer relationship that you can't lay down your life for that? And so, what does this mean? Well, it probably means giving up a few bad habits. You know what they are. I don't need to tell you. But it might mean giving those up. It might mean actually giving up a few good things. Things that you enjoy. Things that you like to do. Things that feed you and lift you up. But annoy the heck out of your wife or your husband. Maybe it's time to lay those down. And not asking anything in return. That's the key. If you do this and you expect something back, you're never going to get it. Or you might get it a little bit and then it'll stop and you'll get frustrated. But just doing it because you love God and because you love your wife and because God loves your wife or God loves your husband. Sacrifice in marriage. Or how about um, with, with our kids? You know, and parents understand this. Parents know what it means to sacrifice for their children, to give up maybe a career to raise kids or to give up. You certainly are giving up a lot of money if you choose to raise children. There's a lot of, of sacrifice in that, and, and we do that quite naturally. But how about time? Do we sacrifice our time? Well, sometimes we do, but other times we're not very good at it. Sometimes we complain about how much time the children are taking from us. But if we look at that in terms of sacrificing, giving ourselves to these children, not because we want them to do something for us, but because we love them. And so... Marriage and, and family and children, this is all um, sacrifice. And it's all rooted in Jesus because that's what he did for us. And this sacrifice is, is not expecting anything in return. So I'll close this section with, um, with Jerry Maguire. Y'all have seen this movie, right? Jerry Maguire is pretty old at this point. What, what happens at the end? She's in her women's group, and he comes running back to her after um, they score the touchdown. He comes running back to her. Jerry Maguire does. And he gives this long speech, and, and I forget what he says, but he, eventually he says, you complete me. You know that? You complete me. And she like melts, and she says, what, you had me at hello. But Jerry says, you complete me. And that is a huge problem. Because if we're looking for somebody else to complete us, if we're sacrificing ourselves so somebody else can complete us, then we will never be satisfied. Because nobody can complete us the way God completes us. The way God loves us and serves us. And so if you're expecting that from fallen and broken people, you're going to be disappointed, aren't you, when it doesn't work out? Sacrifice. Um, secondly, grace is humble. Read on to Romans 12.3. For the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith. Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to. Think about Jesus again. What did Jesus do? He was God, and he came down, he gave all that up, and he walked on this earth to serve us. And not only that, he died on the cross, which is the most humble and excruciating form of punishment you could ever think of. Talk about humble. We have a Savior who has humbled himself for us 
expecting nothing in return. One-way love. One-way love. And so what does that look like? Parents and children, um, I said this before, I'm going to say it again. There's nothing more humbling than apologizing to a four-year-old. There's nothing more humble. And I have, I have three children I actually have to apologize to when I get home today. But I have to say, I have to look at them and think, I'm no, I'm no better than them. I'm no better. And apologizing in that situation. Or kids, hey, kids, listen up. It's okay to apologize to your parents. You're going to make mistakes. It's okay to make mistakes. But it's okay to say, I'm sorry. And parents, when they say, I'm sorry, all you have to do is say, I forgive you. No, I forgive you, but I forgive you. I love you. Do you see that? Humble, just to think of yourself as less than the person you're with. Um, I want to take a quick poll. This is confession time. How many of you got here really smoothly and easily and had no problems getting out of the house? You raise your hand. A few of you. Okay, very, yeah, Mike, nice work. Um, <laughs> how many of you had just an awful time trying to get out of the house and your kids weren't listening and your wife was going too slow and your husband was being too frustratingly fast? There's only, thank you for being honest, God. There's got to be more for you to thank you, yes, okay. <laughs> how are you going to insert grace into that situation? How are you going to insert grace? I mean, one thing is to do what Mike and I do and become a priest and just leave and let them deal for themselves. Um, but what about thinking humbly and thinking, you know, you're, you're sitting there and um, you're, you're putting somebody else under judgment and thinking they should be doing this and they should be doing that. What if you just looked at them and said, gosh, I really love you because I'm just as bad as you are. I'm just as sinful as you are. What if that happened in your home this morning? Or when you got home from work. It's grace. You're looking at somebody and saying, I'm no better than you. I'm no better. So, I want to close like this. Many of you may be, may be listening to this and thinking, I have never been loved like that before in my life. How on earth can I show that to somebody else? You've got to turn to Jesus. You've got to turn to Jesus. You've got to know the love he's offered us. Know the power of the Holy Spirit. You've got to reflect on his cross and pray, Lord, make that real in my life. And not not just up here. And not just as something between you and God, but something that's going to permeate all of your relationships, the deepest and darkest corners of your heart. Can, Can that grace penetrate that? only until you seek that and strive for that and open those hard corners of your heart to the grace of Jesus Christ, only then can you begin to understand what a grace-at-home life looks like. And so I invite you to do that. Whether it's today or tomorrow, I don't care when, but, but do that. And maybe you need to talk to somebody or maybe you need to just pray. I don't know what it is, but, but do that. Invite him in there, and I'm telling you, it won't happen tomorrow or the next day, but it will happen. Your life will be transformed. You will love like that, and you will be loved like that. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your grace. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to have grace at home, 
with our spouses, with our children, with our extended family. By the power of your Holy Spirit, help us to show that one-way love, a love that expects nothing in return. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.